It is a back-to-work Monday. The Lions are 9-3. and three. All is right with the world. It is December 4th, 2023. One, mm, 21 days till Christmas and 106 days till spring. I'm, I'm starting to <laughs> till count golf. down. Yeah, yeah. till golf. I, I, I got a little taste of winter uh-huh. coming down from up north last weekend, and I've had enough of it already. So uh, we're looking forward to that. And we have a special guest in the studio. This That's morning. right, Guy. We welcome into J.R. Morning, former Detroit Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick, who, after being convicted in 2013 of several crimes in federal court, was sentenced to prison for 28 years. He was released from prison in January 2021 after former President Donald Trump commuted his sentence to time served. And since his release, <laughs> that's he's not gotten, a MAGA hat you're wearing, though. Is no, it? no, no, it's his girl dad. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Girl so dad. since his release, he's gotten married. He's had uh, two children and he started a ministry. He has a new job and he may be heading back to Michigan. So let me Uh-oh. ask you, that's the first question. The because, whispers in the Uh-oh. real estate community. It. Oh, Lord. so so what's going on with that? You know, I, I've I almost vowed in the prison cell that I'd never come back to Michigan, but it's home. Um. And once you get the pressure off you and you go through a few years of that, you start getting more free and more free and more free. I always tell people I was free before I left. And then I got out of prison. Uh, but when I came back, I married a woman from Detroit. Her entire family is here. My family is here. Sure. And so when we came here, I wasn't coming often, but you know, I come yeah. preach. Mm-hmm. Um, and the most I stayed in Detroit was two nights. I would never stay more than two nights. I said, I don't want to be on nobody's news. I don't want to be around here. I go to a few restaurants and get out. Um, but the more we came, the more, you know, we felt home. You know, I, I start, you know, to see some people I hadn't seen in a long time, family members and different folks. And so what we started doing, we said, you know, I've never really gone around Detroit as a visitor um, looking to say, okay, how are the schools here? <laughs> um, where's the, where are the nice neighborhoods? And so I told Lloyd, we just start going to model homes. We start going to different things mm-hmm. and look at a house, look at different stuff. And I, listen, I went to a neighborhood in somewhere. Um, I can't remember where, but I got several cars. He's moving to that neighborhood. Listen, we left town the next day. There was no moving. There was no anything. But with all this family here, are you at least considering it? Yes. I, I, at some point, I want to come back here. But you're and not running no for nothing, though, now, because, you know, people no, are going to say, Let me uh, tell you he's something. coming back because Can he's going to try to run. Can you run for something, right, if you're commuted? Well, I, I, you know, well, no, you all have a constitution. Somebody has to challenge it because it's unconstitutional. But uh, you all have a state constitutional provision. I think they said it was made for me. I just found out about it in the last six months. I didn't know about it until I think it was Monica Conyers or something. She okay. was, And they told me it was a Kwame rule. Uh, I said, wow. But that's okay. for state offices. So mm-hmm. if somebody can run for a federal office. But state offices, you had to challenge the Constitution. But I have absolutely no desire. Let me just say it. Because people say, you shouldn't be so definitive. No, let me tell you. I have no desire to ever be in elected office again. And... Um, I don't have any plans to run. When I come here, you know, by the grace of God, I got out of that prison cell to help other people get free before they get uh, incarcerated. And I spent six and a half years doing that on a prison yard, talking to everybody from the Mexican mafia guys to the Crips, the Bloods, the GDs, the, the Vice Lords. And, and, and you, you were quite candid. You saw some horrific I did. things. I saw horrific. I I, I I went to prison on May 24th. I saw my first person killed on July 4th. Oh, my. And so, 
You for had guys me, confess that they were considering raping other prisoners. You had oh, guys yeah. come to you. Oh, yeah. Sit with me in counsel. I'm, I'm going crazy. I feel like I need to kill someone. Or I feel like I need to rape somebody. Or I need to take somebody. Or um, I had the full experience. And I know people, um, they thought I was at like a camp. I've never been to a camp. My last a couple years were at a low. But I was at high security prisons. So my cellies were lifers. I had four cellies that were lifers. I had a cellie that had 35 years. Um, and so being in the midst of these environments, you learn a lot from these guys. And, and you find out that the, that their lives almost dictated from a very young age that they would be in that cell. Um, I was opposite. You know, I, I was the good kid on the block. I did my homework. I got good grades. But uh, character and integrity is something um, that has to be upheld in every human being. I don't you, care where you're from. And you said you had gifts that your character and, and, and integrity didn't, yeah. couldn't I, take I, you to, I could, gifts that they couldn't take you to. Man, I could really look at a budget in this town on the state level or even appropriations on the federal level and understand it immediately. I could figure oh, out you were how, a wonk. how we really yeah. get money to come in, how we get this riverfront done. What do we need to do? Uh, when when uh, I think it was the Kresge put, uh-huh. put up 50 million dollars as a match to five million how do we reprogram money in washington i went to my mom and said mom how do we reprogram this appropriation money so we get to five million so we get to 50 that part was easy it was easy to run a campaign it was easy to do politics uh it was grinding but it was fun um the part that i didn't understand is how to balance that with family how to leave your your sinful proclivities uh, <laughs> uh behind you how big the chair was were you too young know- I don't believe I was too young. I believe I was me, Kwame, not mature in some areas that I needed to be mature in. Because if I was too young, I wouldn't have understood the body politic as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that the um, that there's some dynamic character and integrity-driven 31 and 32-year-olds. But I also believe that there are some old fools. So uh, there were no good gray hair people coming to me saying, um, go home. So I'm that guy now. I counsel uh, people around the country, uh, politicians, guys call me. I go and I fly to them. And, and said I had a guy the other day in New York. Uh, I said this yesterday when I preached um, that he was telling me all the things he wanted to do and what he wanted to get into. And I said, hey, man, first thing you need to start doing is stop cheating on your wife. He was like, well, how did you know that? And I said, well, I could see it. And we need to talk about that. Before you tell me what position and what you should run for and the congressional seat is open, we need to talk about how you're cheating on your wife. So I've become the guy that I wish I had. Uh I wish I had somebody to look me in the eye and say, man, sit down somewhere. Go home. What are you doing? Why are you in here working at 2 o'clock in the morning? I mean, I I needed that person when I was in office. And thank God, uh, through a mighty crushing and, and, and different experiences, he's made me that guy for a lot of people. And I'm thankful for that. You have taken responsibility for that portion of your life. Do you take responsibility for what sent you to prison? Because some people would like to hear that from you. Well, yeah. The the, the issue that I have on that, uh, and I I I saw the judge's remarks, is I was fighting my case because I didn't believe my case was right or true or there were a lot of elements of it that were just absolutely far-fetched and misguided that I actually got found guilty on. I spent seven years fighting this case. I made a petition to the president and showing them every single thing that was wrong in the case. That's different 
from taking responsibility for being a fool, <laughs> for absolutely um, walking the ethical line in a way that you should not have, for hiring people that were absolutely abominable in their positions and allowing them to proffer in that position. It was, it was a lot of things in that job that I didn't do well, but primarily um, it was that I understood that I represented the whole city of Detroit, white, black, um, business guys, um, neighborhood folk, uh, and I failed at representing them when I told them on two campaign trails that I would. And I've accepted that responsibility, apologized profusely, um, but now I'm trying to have the fruit of that repentance, make good on that. If I've learned anything is that even through trial, tribulation, and problems, you can find a way to give back what you've learned in that crushing, and that's what I'm trying to do now. And we want to learn more about that. Also, you've got some, I think, really interesting insights into the makeup of our legislature and their agenda <laughs> these days, and we will continue. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was good. You saw that? We, okay. <laughs> we will continue the conversation with former Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick. I, I didn't blindside you with that, did I? No, no, that was good. All right, good. That was good. That's how casual conversation comes yeah. into the interview. Also I called, love it. It's also called a tease. It's 814 on JR Morning. More with the former mayor when we come back if you're just joining us we have a special guest in the house for this monday edition of jr morning the former mayor of the city of detroit kwame kilpatrick 10 years out uh from his trial and conviction uh, of course uh released as uh, president trump was hitting the exits uh given a commutation of his sentence gotta ask you you know uh he's going magination on us yeah uh you know that there are folks out there saying, OK, a corrupt politician condemned by prosecutors is taking advantage of an impoverished city. He goes to prison, does a little time, maybe 12, 14 months, all of a sudden finds Jesus Christ. And now he's a reform man. And they're going, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Speak to the skeptics out there. And, and, and how you've demonstrated that, whether it's through, um, you know, uh, the the restitution, whatever it may be, how you're going to demonstrate that this is an authentic conversion. I think the only demonstration that any person could do is just to live their lives. I think time would tell it all. To answer those questions this early, I think that they should have questions. I think critics should be there. I think it's something that um, should um, persist in a person's life that has hurt or damaged something that they care about mm-hmm. or, or them themselves. So I, I, um, I welcome it actually. I, I think that is something that keeps me understanding um, that this is more than about Kwame Kilpatrick. And for me, it's not about conversion as much as it is about the fruit of whatever you say. If, if you say you've been through this, fine. We want to see it. So when here, um, Issues are constantly and consistently brought up about Kwame Kilpatrick. And so uh, restitution is one that they throw around all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been fighting the restitution since I got it. You have to understand, you it's, it's tied to absolutely nothing. Most people in, in, in that, that have that thought believe that it's stolen money. You know, that was in the newspaper all the time. He stole money. I don't have a single charge for stealing any money. Well, there, was, there were charges of allegations of bid rigging. Uh, you know, if you want to do a contract with the city, talk to Bernard. Yeah, there was a lot. He of got that. found guilty of none of that. See, this is that's what I'm saying. We've been telling these stories for a long time, <laughs> and so let me just let me just get to it. it ended up being 
at first, it was hundreds of millions of dollars. You remember that? You mm-hmm. were probably one of the, <laughs> hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, when I got to the to the to the court on the first day, they said nine point six. That was the first day I heard that number. In closing statements, the prosecutor said four point seven. And we were trying to figure out where is this loss coming from. So all of this bid rigging, you're right, bid rigging, all this kind of stuff. They said no, no, no. It's one contract. It's a fifty-four million dollar tra- contract in the water department. We're talking about that contract. So all of the hoopla for 10 years was about $154 million contract. And there was a companion case to it, a civil case, suing me for the same $54 million. So after we get found guilty, I file an appeal on the restitution. Mm -hmm. I win. Federal court said, where's the loss? So they had to find the loss. The federal government, I mean, the uh, Court of Appeals put it at zero. They had to find a loss. He said, no, no, it's not 9.6. It's not 4.7. It's 1.5. 1.5 million is now, because they had to come up with a theory, the $1.5 million in restitution in Detroit is for a $54 million contract where the government says, I used an intricate scheme to get Bobby Ferguson in the contract as a subcontractor and the city or water department had to pay $1.4 million okay. more on this contract. So I get the theory. So then now the judge says at sentencing, whatever the money they forfeited from Bobby Ferguson, because it's actually Bobby Ferguson's 1.5. It's not Kwame Kilpatrick. That's the thing. But he's not as sexy as me. So we talk about Kwame all the time. That 1.5, he need to pay us, pay us, pay us. Well, Bobby Ferguson then, the judge says, when Bobby Ferguson says they forfeited a lot of stuff, equipment, offices, homes, real quick, right. from Bobby Ferguson, she said, apply everything you forfeited to the restitution. They forfeit over $4 million. I said, just apply it, and we're done. But de- That's what we're doing now. But as a demonstration of regret and repentance. Yes. Symbolic. Symbolic or otherwise. And I understand I want to get too deep in the weeds on your appeals, but where is that? Where, where is it right where's now? That, where's that manifesting? Where's that demonstrating? Where is that right now? I pay it every month. Never missed a payment, never missed a payment, never once. I saw an article that I never paid a dollar. Yeah, you yeah, paid. That you. was the most ridiculous yeah. thing in the world. I pay re- uh, restitution every month. As a matter of fact, that's a condition of my supervised release. So I don't know where that came from. It's just erroneous information. Every month I have to pay it on by the 5th of each month. Mm-hmm. And I've paid it for the almost three years that I've been out every month. By the way, that, it's the 4th. Just want to let you yeah, know. You by, by the, oh, no, no. I'll pay it for it. Listen, I'll pay it on the first. Okay. <laughs> so, so, you know, by the grace of God, I have the ability to do that. But, I mean, but the other thing about it is where it is now is I want the court to reconcile what what do I owe? Mm-hmm. What are you saying? So, you're I owe? Still, you still got cases pending. You're still no, fighting this. Because the judge now says I owe $193,000. So, we went from $9.6 billion. 4.7, 1.5, now it's 193,000. So now it's, so I said, they want me to just settle on that. And I said, what is that for? See, nobody wants me to ask a question. What is the $193,000 for? Because if, if they, they want me to be integral, then I need the process to be integral. This is the first time with President Trump speaking as we make this transition. I want to know. Yeah. Watch this shift. Uh, watch, I'm about to do this Iverson crossover. This is the first time I heard that it's a two-tier justice system. And I'm hearing that from Republicans, I'm hearing it from from whites, that the justice system is not fair. In America, the justice system is only fair when it's kicking somebody's butt we don't like. When it's kicking somebody's butt we like, we claim that it's not fair. 
but inherently it's not. So the problem that 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 I have is that if I fight my case, then I'm not being integral. And that is something that in America we should never advocate for. That my democratic rights, my 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 constitutional rights. Um uh, I, I have to do that. Now, Donald Trump, how did he get me out? Yeah. Yes. It was the most amazing, miraculous thing that's ever happened. Um, dozens of people went to Donald Trump and asked him to release me. People from this community wrote letters, uh, Sherry Dagnogo, um, Bishop Wayne T. Jackson. But then what I knew about them going, um, you had some Republican speakers, former Republican speakers here in the House. Who go, you served with. Who I served Craig DeRoche went. Um, Pete Carmanos had a meeting out there. Unbeknownst to me, I didn't call none of these people. I couldn't hear from any of these people mm-hmm. I hadn't talked to in literally years were going on their own. <clears throat> a woman named Alice Johnson. Alice Johnson is the woman who Kim Kardashian right. uh, went and got out of prison in Trump. Mm-hmm. She had a meeting in Memphis, and a lady from Detroit was there with her daughter. I still don't know who this lady is, but I saw what she gave her. She gave uh, Alice Johnson and said, I need your help to get my mayor out. And she, oh, a little old lady handed her a paper. She said she went to the hotel. She couldn't, you know, I, did, I never met this woman. She's never met me. She said, but I, I, the Lord just wouldn't let you off my mind. She goes to Trump. And then another uh, pastor here in Pontiac, Keon Payton, who was working, doing some work for the White House then, he meets with Bishop J. Drew Sheard. And J. Drew Sheard, at the same time, asked him to get me out. So it was just so, so many different So he was compelled. People. How did you find <clears throat> out? I found out I was in a cell. In a, uh, you want to do it when we come Quick. Back? No. Well, oh, I was in a solitary confinement cell January 19th, midnight count. I knocked on the door and I asked the officer. I told him, I said, I got a commutation. He said, who told you? I said, the Lord told me. He said, I'll kill Patrick. Go ahead. One o'clock in the morning, he came back, opened the door. He said, who told you you got a commutation? I said, the Lord. He showed me the free press and news and said, you got a commutation. That's how I found out. No news, no anything. A CO told me I was getting out. Five o'clock in the morning, the warden came and said, we're getting out of you out of here quick and quiet. He came back and got me. I was at the airport by 10. I was in my mother's living room. I was in my mother's living room eating uh, crab cakes and uh, uh, <laughs> cheesecake <laughs> at, at 2 o'clock that afternoon. Can you hang around for another segment? I can. All right. Former Mayor Kwame Kiltrack, Patrick will be back. And in studio with us, former Detroit Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick. And I have a question about your new position. You have a new position yes. at a nonprofit, I believe. Yes, sir. Uh, that's uh, uh, Alice Johnson's. Nonprofit. Talk about that. Executive yeah. director. Alice Johnson, who I just spoke about, um, she um, got out of prison five years ago. Um, Kim Kardashian and her were very close, uh, are very close. And and she introduced her into a whole w- different world of people. Uh, Kim is amazing. She really is. And so um, she started and launched a foundation with the help of so many different people. Uh, the foundation is called Take an Action for Good or TAG Foundation. Um, it's in the criminal justice space. We, to, number one, tell stories of people that are in we commutations, compassionate release, and parole, humanizing people. And then the last part, we have a program, SIPS, Context Informed um, Prevention Strategy, which we're now launching in two cities, one Memphis and the other one Detroit. Okay. Uh, I, I, you know, I pushed to get Detroit in where um, we, Ron DaCosta, who's over that program, he comes in and really works for people in the mental behavior, social behavior space. So it's a good opportunity for me. It's a good opportunity uh, that marries the skills that I have both professionally and personally. Uh, and Alice is the greatest. And so uh, this is an opportunity for us to give something back to communities, but also 
to go get people who deserve an, uh, an opportunity to have a second chance at life, just like we got. Is the, your ministry still ongoing as well? Absolutely. The ministry is ongoing. Um, we're this close to having our building. Um, You're going to have your own church? Yeah. Well, I don't like to call it a church. We'll have a worship center. and But I believe that the church uh, became too uh, overly concerned with the building and not with the work and ministry of Jesus Christ, which means... Um, you know, we should be doing things to help people connect to all of these different gates or kingdoms of the world, business and entrepreneurship, media. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a lot of people left the church because they don't see themselves in it anymore. Um, if I'm an entrepreneur, vivacious entrepreneur, should I go to church? Uh, if I'm a politician, should I have a, a role in church? So uh, we want to have more engagement in the ministry, but we will have worship services, yes. Okay. What about the naysayers who may be listening and say, you're still a smooth talker and you haven't paid restitution and, you know, all <laughs> yeah, that we were getting, stuff. We were getting the, some texts, yeah. by yeah. the way, while, yeah. while we were yeah. in you got, one, you got one text. So you got yes. one text from one reporter. I don't want to make this like a thing. Like, prize oh, winning uh, yeah, and, and, right. and glory to God for that. All, all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, that was asked by by, by a guy before. Um I'm not running for anything. I, I don't. I don't need anybody's vote. And and I'm not saying that in jest or saying that to be coy or to be arrogant. I think that we spend a lot of time trying to make other people feel that we're okay. And I'm just not interested in doing that anymore. And and, and what I just asked them to do is just watch. And instead of condemn, watch. One of the things I've learned um, by going through this process, I worked in a chapel in a prison almost six and a half years. And I saw architects, news people, business owners come in with child rape cases. Mm-hmm. I saw people come in with drug cases and they were construction guys that ran their own construction firm. I, I understand now that a lot of people that point fingers are not so clean themselves. And a lot of people that have been through things in their life, they give a lot of grace. And so I don't want to be the butt of all jokes, of course, but at the same time, I don't allow that noise to conform what I believe uh, I'm doing right with my wife, <laughs> with my family, with my children, uh, and with the ministry that God gave me. And so that's where I am now. I, I really hope that people are free from Kwame Kilpatrick stuff and they're free to live their lives. When I move around Detroit, it's great. When I move around suburban communities, it's great. It's smiles, it's hugs, it's welcome back, it's do better. I've prayed for you from white, black, suburban city. And so I don't experience the deep hatred. Um, I think people in this world now have far too many things that they're concerned about. The pressing and crushing and pressure that people are going through. Um, Watching this war uh, on television every day. uh, Watching both wars on television. It's just just enough of the Kwame Kilpatrick stuff. When you talk about that, and one of the things that you were very, when you first got on, I think it was one of your first interviews, said that you realized that as a black father, yes. you'd failed oh, yeah. the boys. Yes. And you now have five. Yes. They're all six children, including a child. Stepchild. From, yeah, a stepchild. Um, that healing process with your kids. There's a lot of folks that go through breaches in the family. Mm-hmm. And, and it, how did that healing process happen? Um, it happened with me um, starting in a prison visiting room with both of my sons, my oldest. At that time, they were 16, and they were, I'm talking about, furious with me. 
they even left school at that time. And I sent a friend to pick them up to bring them to the prison on the weekend so I could talk to them, just me and them, uh, my oldest boys. And uh, he told uh, one of my sons, Jalil, he told me that I failed them and I left them. And I'm sorry. You're a sorry man. I mean, he went off in the visiting room. And I looked him right in the eye with tears in my eyes. And I said, you are absolutely correct. And I have absolutely no excuses for it. I left you. And it started a dialogue that started to repair this breach that we had in our relationship, got them back in school. Um, And because my entire focus was for them to be whole in whatever they had to do over the course of the next few years or six years or seven or eight or 10 or 15 or 28, however long I was gone, that they become the man that God intended for them to be. And I don't be in the rear view mirror messing that up for them. And so they did it. Um, Jelani's a teacher at a high school in Florida. Jalil has his master's in counseling. He's an elementary school counselor. Uh, but because of what they went through, they're better at their jobs. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, they can, they're both in very urban, poor schools. And so to connect with these young people is amazing. Jalil is also a football coach at the high school down the street. So he's an offensive coordinator. He, and that's now he's decided that he wants to go into coaching. He's an incredible coach. He played quarterback in college. Um, so Jonas is an honor society student, 21-year-old, uh, and he graduates in May. Um, and then, you know, I have three more, Lathan, who's 12, and, and then I have an 18-month-old king, and then my first baby girl. I'm a girl dad now, Kinsley, and she's two months. And so uh, we are moving forward. I know Detroiters want to have conversation a lot about 2003, four, six. Uh you know, and when I was in that pit and, you know, I spent the last 225 days of my prison sentence in a solitary confinement cell. And if you can't work it all out in that place, um, you can't work it out. And so I, I know people want to talk about what happened and, and what's real and what's not. And he didn't do this and he did that. It's, it's incredibly tough for me to do. First of all, I got a little PTSD. I really do. I don't remember a lot. I really don't. I mean, I'm not, that's not in jest. I, I went through counseling in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd never been to counseling before. That was the most amazing experience. And I had Miss B, who was the toughest woman I've ever met in my life. She was about six foot one. And she said, Ever, you want I said, uh, This is not like what they teach you in school. Listen, little politician, if you want to keep talking about politics, we're not going to get anything done here. We're going to kind of push through in this thing and try to figure out what God wants to do with your life. That's how she talked to me. I said, "This, where did they get you from? That's not what I saw on television. But uh, it was, she was the perfect person dialed up for me. Oklahoma was the perfect place for me to be. Um, it was good that everything that happened to me happened because I don't know if I wouldn't be a 330-pound or had a heart attack out there stressed out. Because that's what I, I want to know. Where, I, would you, where do you think you'd be? Had you, not, you had immense that. political gifts. Yeah. Yes. Had I, you I, not I, gone I outside, colored outside like the lines Like a rising there. star at that time. Yeah. yeah. Where you do you know, think you would be today? I don't know. I never wanted to be president or governor. I know that's crazy. My dream job was mayor of the city of Detroit. From 10 years old, I was telling people I was going to be mayor of the city of Detroit. And I know that's limiting for a lot of people. Um, But that's what I wanted to be. So when you when I was 10 years old at all the family picnics, holidays, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mayor of the city of Detroit. So I got everything I ever wanted and failed and lost it. So I had to learn how to reconcile that. Who am I if I'm not a Detroiter? 
who am I if I'm not mayor? And so that was a process that I went through. I don't know where I would be, but I know wherever I was, I would be uh, extremely overweight, extremely out of shape, uh, had some heart problems, high blood pressure problems, and I would be miserable, probably still divorced and probably still sinning. So I don't believe that the end of that tale would have been pretty. All right. Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick, former Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick, thanks for sharing your time. Thanks for, thanks for sharing your story. Thank you. Uh, and uh, don't be a stranger. If you come home, yeah, yeah, yeah. we'd love to hear from you. I would love to be here. It would be fun. All right. <laughs> but I wouldn't be involved out here. I tell you that. <laughs> y'all can and, have and this. No this politics, is, right? No, no politics. Po- yeah, listen, y'all can have the politics. Go ahead. Hey, listen, all the best to you. People call me, hey, I want to talk to you about uh, uh, helping my campaign. You know what? Like, Thank no. you for the call, but absolutely not. You know? <laughs> and and we, should, we should point out that while we were having this conversation, two former Republican yes. legislative friends of yours reached out and want to want to say hi. I can't have wait a to see him. I haven't seen those guys in a long time. So we'll uh, we'll, we'll see. If I, I got can. the message, Rocky. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Take All care, right. sir. See you, Mr. Thank Mayor. you very much. When we come back, Tom Izzo uh, uh, of a Spartan weekend. We'll talk to him next on JR Morning.